This is Deep Blue, where we get the true life stories of BYU athletes, coaches, and fans. Here's your host, Jerem Jordan. On today's show, we chat with one of the best overall players in BYU history who has played all over the world professionally and has coached on both the men and women's side of Cougar Hoops. He's one of my favorite players ever to watch at BYU. He is Lee Kamard. What's up, Lee? Not a whole lot. Just grinding in the summer with workouts and spending some time with my guy, Joe. Listen, it'll be here before you know it, uh, <laughs> but this is the uh, fun part of the year. Do you still play? Oh, yeah. You have to play. Like morning pickup? Oh, always. So there's a group of us. We call It's called the Ball's Life group. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we play in the summer. It's a little uh, sporadic, but during the year, it's at least three times, sometimes five. A and week? It, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And just kind of, I usually send out a text to the thread. says, hey, 6 a.m. ball, who's in? You're the instigator. Uh, most of the time. There's me and one other guy that kind of drive drive it and... During the year, it's a lot easier to get guys in the summer. We always have a bunch of plus ones that join us. But, uh, you know, there's a few former guys that play. Everybody's relatively high level at some point in their life, um, or they know somebody that's higher up at BYU. And so the thing is how it works is there's an original group, and they're they're kind of picky, right? I wasn't a part of the original group, but when I came back – I was playing actually with an older guy group, like older guys. And it was just cardio, whatever, you know, just hanging. Older guys in the RB or in the No, 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 like at a steak center. Uh, Yep. Like older. I'm still in that group, although it's the 30-somethings. This is 50-something. Gotcha. Okay, when I first got back. Great guys. Um, A lot of drop steps, a lot of banks. Yeah, a lot of (laughs) two-pointers. Okay. Um, Then I found out this group was playing. We used to play over at the warehouse in Orem. Or at Vivint type of thing. And it's kind of throughout time we play at different places. We won't get into where we play. But uh, the way that it works is so there's an original group and guys have moved away or come back. But then as a plus one, you start as a plus one of somebody. And then once you're battle tested, then you get added to the thread. Mm. It's a pretty exclusive thread to be yeah. a part of. And honestly, <laughs> some guys hear about it and they like, like they're campaigning to get on the thread. <laughs> Um, like it took Jimmy Balderson probably nine months to to get added to the thread. Former BYU player, yeah, because I, it's not a it's not necessarily a talent thing. It's just a hey, how committed to this are you? Like mm. if we add you, one, do you show up? If we try to get you to come, are you you know willing to play? You know, kind of thing. And so there's a little of that, and and so guys typically have kind of a, a learning curve as far as being added to the thread, and then once they're on the thread. They're good to go. Okay, so I'm aware that there's a certain local billionaire that plays. Sure. Which is fun. Sure. How's his game? He's actually got game, you know. Nice. He he, uh, he, he knows how to play. Uh, he never sees a shot he doesn't like. Um, Listen, it's pickup. Yeah, but Come on, there's, still, there's still a level of pur- purity to, <laughs> to the game. Uh, but, no, he can play. He's uh, one of the older guys in the group. But so it's a pretty young group then. Yeah, Ryan, I would say everybody. Ryan not I mean, old. Santiago plays. So he's the elderly. Um, he's the elder statesman. Exactly. Yeah. And and then goes from there. And there's probably down to thirty two, maybe. Occasionally, there's some plus ones that are fresh out of college or, or close to it. 
But uh, it's a it's a good group. Like I said, most of them are either former players at some level, um, D1 level, D1 like walk-on, um, other schools, at least JUCO. But, it, but it's a good group. And like I said, a lot of threes compared to a lot of twos. Okay. Right? Is there dunking? Uh, every, Sometimes? Every once in a while. Okay. Depending on how competitive it gets or how – well, right now the annex is so hot because they're acclimating the wood for the marriage center and the annex that people get a lot more loose now. But – Maybe once a quarter there's a dunk. <laughs> Mostly threes. Once a quarter? So you have a clock and everything. No, no, no. Once a quarter like on the year. Oh, every three months. We don't take a lot of twos. Oh, okay. We don't take a lot of twos. Yeah. So yeah, why play would to you? 15, twos and threes. Yeah. You know, the analytics, threes worth more than two. Yes. No, so, efficiency. But every once in a while somebody's feeling a little excited. Yeah. And so I'm probably once a year good for a dunk. You're a once, once a, a year dunker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only one fewer than that, so I don't, I don't feel like I'm too <laughs> far off. Go. Yeah, <laughs> talking with Lee Kamard on Deep Blue, jumper still good. Uh, it's not bad. I think my IQ is the only thing that's retained its its, its level <laughs> that it once was. Um, but other than that, the athleticism, the skill set, everything just slides. But but it's still it's good for this group. <laughs> Who's the best shooter on campus? We like to uh, say, you know, it's probably Juddy versus Brian Santiago. Do you agree <laughs> with that assessment? If if Juddy was ten years younger, it would probably be that. Mm. He and, and I've never seen it to where Juddy's actually warmed up. Um, oh, he just shoots cold. Yeah, well, like he'll be sporadic during yeah. the middle of practice, and he'll be demonstrating, you know, to somebody. But you can tell the guy was a world class shooter. Yeah, played in the NBA for a bunch of years, of course, all conference in yeah. Utah. He was awesome. Okay, so let's rewind and start at the beginning with your life. So are you born in Mesa? Born and raised Mesa, Arizona, and uh, youngest of six boys. And youngest of six? Yeah. How much older is your oldest so brother? So my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. Okay, yeah. six in 10 years. Yeah. It's busy. So, yeah, it took my parents a while. That they actually I – I could be getting this wrong, but they were actually in the process of thinking about adopting or going through the process and then – Kind of had six real quick, and and yeah, the youngest of six. They all live within a mile of each other down there. Um, you're the you're the lone wolf I'm away the lone from wolf Mesa. Away. Yeah, matter of fact, now that my my parents are a little bit older, one of my siblings has now kind of taken over the the house. They're building a little casita in the back, um, and then. My other sibling has purchased a house next door, which was my grandparents' house. Um, I thought my oldest would have bought a place on the street a long time ago, but they bought kind of close, and they've liked where they live, so they haven't moved. Um, but they all live, you know, right down there in Mesa High, you know, proud fans and supporters of the Jackrabbits, and now my nieces and nephews go there and, and play ball and, and play volleyball or play soccer or do something. You know, they're strong supporters of the purple and gold. And they try to recruit my kids to come down and, and be jackrabbits as well. <laughs> um, but we like it up here, and I don't anticipate that happening. Okay, so you go to Mesa High. Everyone talks about Mountain View, right? Sure. That's the – hey, John Beck, Max sure. Hall, Chelsea Goodman, sure. million, uh, Peyton Dastrup, I sure. think, right? What was the rivalry like down there? And obviously there's a ton of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so there's a ton of BYU fans down there sure. too. Sure, yeah. So 
that's kind of the dynamics of Mesa. It's it's similar. I mean, it's probably a little less dense as far as members, but it's similar, right? There's churches on every corner, especially certain parts of Mesa. Um, and you have Mountain View, who's kind of the more uppity, higher income, you know, uh, group of of demographic. And Mesa High is a little lower income and a lot more uh, diverse. Um, and and Mountain View, the feeder schools are great at all the sports. All the kids play everything. And, and Coach Ernst was the coach, if we're talking basketball, but they're good at every sports. But they all run a program, right, down to the elementary school age. And Mesa is now on that level, but at the time, it was kind of you just play with the neighborhood kids and go up. So, yeah, I grew up competing against Max and all those guys and the, and the good Mountain View teams. There's not too many Mesa High kids up at BYU. Um, a lot of Mountain View get, get kids, um, but grew up playing with them. Seventh and eighth grade is kind of intramurals at the middle school or the junior highs, and then once you get to 10th grade, you're at the high school and had a great coach, had a great coach in junior high, but a great coach named Sean Lynch um, in high school, played as a sophomore, had a good team. Actually, my one of my most talented teams I played on was a sophomore year in high school, and we didn't get it done. We we should have we won it that, that year. Didn't get it done. Then after that, junior year, kind of a good crop, but not as talented as the sophomore year. But then... My senior year, we had we had a kid transfer in who ended up playing Division One, and then three sophomores that all ended up playing Division One. We added an assistant coach, Shane Burkar, who's actually the head coach at Northern Arizona University right now. Um, just a basketball purist, loves loves the game of basketball, and he kind of brought an edge to us defensively that we were missing, and. Uh, Fortunate enough to have a great senior year. Uh, you, won, you won state. Won state. Played played Max's team at Mount View uh, three times. Won two. Was Max on the basketball? Oh team? yeah, Max is a really good athlete. Yeah, good good basketball, good basketball player? player. Good basketball player. Like a player. point guard? Uh, no, more of a guard? wing. Yeah, okay. I mean at the, like the, six style, one? the style that they played was more five out motion. You know, they had some bigs, um, but it was more everybody dribble pass and shoot. Kind of like the Hoosiers a little bit. Yeah, everyone, um, everyone's going to touch. Um, but great. They had a good team. They lost in the semis. We didn't play them in the state tournament. They lost in the semis, and then we won. Beat Desert Vista, who had a couple of Division One guys on the team. And so unbelievable year. That, that, that time from the end of my junior year, playing club ball in April till the end of my senior year was absolute blast. Like – with great kids like my club team, my my good friend T.J. Benson's now on staff at U of A, was at Grand Canyon, then was up at Gonzaga, and then followed uh, Tommy down there, and uh, then my high school teammates, just unbelievable, just unbelievable. So great, great year. Um, kind of started hanging out with Sarah during that time. And Same high school. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, same stake. When did you know her first? Uh, I mean, knew the family. We actually kind of met formally on the Pioneer Trek, as lame as that is. Listen, there's <laughs> many a couple. I have, so, a, I have a brother and sister in law. That's their story. I was actually trying to talk to her friend on the Pioneer Trek at that time, <laughs> but friend of a friend, kind of. We just started hanging out, and then kind of escalated to more than that. Really started as best friends and 
went from there. So great, great experience in high school. Love Mesa High. Love the diversity of Mesa High. Go Jackrabbits. Let's go. Purple and gold. Yeah. (laughs) So you win state. You're on cloud nine. At this point, you know, you're getting ready for your mission to Nashville. Uh, Did you sign with BYU before your mission or was that – yeah, so I, si- I signed with uh, BYU to actually with Coach Cleveland in in that fall of my senior year, so November of two thousand three. And BYU's making the tourney. Uh, they made an 01, yeah. They made an 03, yeah. They're going to make an O four. <clears throat> yeah. So they they made the tourney O one O three, like you said. Um, have a good team coming back, and I believe they make it that next year. Mm-hmm. They O-4 lose to well. Syracuse. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Jerry McNamara. Yeah, yeah. McNamara <laughs> got them. Um, so, yeah, signed with them that, that fall or winter, November yeah. 20, 2003. Was it always going to be BYU or were there other options? No. So the recruiting process um, – Because you were a hot commodity. Yeah. I, I mean, it's – so if you play as a fr- or sophomore on varsity and you actually do anything, then, yeah, there's there's teams that come to the table – and at that time, letters and getting letters from colleges were a big deal, right? So somewhere I have letters stashed that, you know, for posterity's sake. Um, but started getting letters sophomore year. And then I really kind of blew up that April after my junior year. Went to the Houston in Easter, Easter Classic. Yeah, and, and played in Vegas. Can't remember what the tournament's called now. But kind of just blew up and – had a lot of success in the club circuit. And this was before, like, the, the, there were shoe circuits. I mean, there was. That was just getting started. But had a lot of success. Everybody kind of came to the table west of the Mississippi. Mm. Um, not really a BYU kid growing up, you know. Not anti-BYU, but never rooted for them. ASU, uh, went to ASU football games, went to ASU basketball games. Cheered for those good U of A basketball teams with Mike Bibby and, and Lou Olson as the coach. Oh, Miles Simon. Miles Simon. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, you know, all those guys. So fun. Um, so recruiting picks up. I narrow it down to five schools. Ironically, BYU is one of them out of like, hey, mom, yes. And my aunt was big time. <laughs> BYU, yes, I'll take a visit, you know. And they did. They actually did a great job. I mean, Coach Wardenberg and Rose and Walter and and Cleve um, did a fantastic job recruiting me. But always looked at it like, eh, you know, I'm going to stay here and play in front of the hometown ASU. But I narrowed it down to BYU, ASU, Oregon, Oregon State, and UCLA. Um, <clears throat> and all did a great job. I mean. Stories are infamous of the in-home visits of the coaches, and it's just like a big family gathering, you know, somewhere between 50 to 150 people there just to, you know, be a part, you know, it's the whole neighborhood. But my Your whole na- fam? Yeah, but my whole neighborhood, there was four or five other houses that were relatives, you know, not small families. So they all show up. And then everybody else. So who's who's the uh, – who are the coaches that – were involved here. That you're so, yeah, in, in the in-home visit, you had Donnie Daniels, who was at Utah, now was at Gonzaga. I think he's back at Utah now. Uh, he was there with Ben Howland. Then you had Ernie Kent, who was the head coach at Oregon. Jay John was the Oregon State head coach. He was at the in-home visit with Jeff Reiner, who's now the head coach at uh, CSI. Um, who did I list out? Oh, Coach Rose and, and, and Coach Cleve. And then Arizona State was Russ Pennell and 
uh, Rob Evans, Coach Rob Evans. And honestly, Arizona State did the worst job probably of all of them. Recruit- Were you disappointed? Recruiting-wise. Uh, in a way, yes. Um, and it, it, they actually, Coach Pennell did a great job. Coach Evans wasn't heavily involved like the other head coaches. And that's not ultimately what it came down to, but I kind of added to it, right? So have all that, take my visits. I went to BYU first, came up here. They played Stanford in football, went to that game. I think it was like a 9-3 to three game, 6-3. to three. It was just a brutal game. You know, did the, did the whole visit, and it was just – it was different because, I mean, in other places you go to, you, you know, there's a social scene that's a little bit different. And the first night here, uh, Mark Bigelow was my host, and we went to the soccer game and watched his wife play soccer, right? So it's like – Okay, and it wasn't like, hey, here's all the single people. I'm sitting with him, and he's watching and cheering on his wife. And it's like, okay, this is boring. I, ca- <laughs> I called my buddy. I called my buddy who was up and was like, hey, let's go hang out, you know. And then um, the next night, dinner, do meet everybody, you know, academics, compliance, see the facilities, you know, the usual official visit type thing, our itinerary. And the next night, Terry Nashifts, my host. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go to a house party or, you know, at least go hang out with a group. And he takes me to a girl's apartment that he's trying to start talking to. So I'm playing third (laughs) wheel the second night too, right? And it's like, Like, what's this? What's going on? Um, So again, I call my buddy and we just, we just go hang out. So that's kind of the visit. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing awesome. Nothing like, oh, yeah, this is the place. Watched a few workouts um, and, and got to know a couple of the guys. But just kind of just a vanilla visit, right? Well, then the next weekend, I go to the Arizona State visit. And <laughs> you could have had more contrasting um, visits, right? And we go to a house party, and it's like, uh, okay. And I'm I'm comfortable in those situations. At this point in my life, I'm comfortable in any setting, right? And it's no big deal, you know. And it's cool. It's lively. There's music. All good. Um, stayed there for a little while. Uh, my host was Ike Diagu and actually Kevin Kruger, who's now the head coach at UNLV. Uh, but again, after a while, call a buddy, just go to a high school thing. Actually brought a bunch of my buddies back to the hotel at ASU, you know, so difference of experience. And after that, I knew like, hey, I'm not going to these other places. I'm not going to Oregon. I'm not going to UCLA. So I I bailed on their visits and kind of just sat on it, I believe, for a little while, try to make my decision. And it kind of came down to, okay, Lee, you're at a crossroads. You can kind of go enjoy college and play ball and, you know, really live it up or there's a side of me that feels like there's more and am I going to be who I think I'm set out to be kind of thing and you know through a process end up committing to coach Cleveland and BYU and still to this day other than marrying my wife probably the best decision I've ever made it was really impactful and had an unbelievable college experience the teammates, the, the basketball side of things, the success, but just 
growing, getting away, you know, was 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 huge. And so I'm grateful I did. Okay, so you go to Nashville on your mission. Yeah. How was Nashville? That's a cool spot. Nashville is an awesome city. Um, not very receptive people to the <laughs> To a missionary knocking doors, but a great experience, um, great city. I actually went back last year, uh, actually recruiting a kid in Knoxville, but flew into Nashville and saw a few of the people, had a few meals, and, you know, so it was good. It was eerily like, whoa, you know. Do you have um, hot chicken? I did not. No, I had a home-cooked meal at one of my closest members' house uh, the night I flew in. And then the next night I was at a game. So, but kind of drove some of the streets, went by the apartment, and a lot's changed, but a lot's still exactly the same, you know. But great experience and, um, yeah, a lot of growth. Okay. So, after your mission, you come back to BYU and you play four in a row. Yep. You didn't miss a game in your career, right? You played every game, every single game. How did that happen? You didn't have a single injury. Well, <clears throat> you, surely you had an injury, but you fought through it. Yeah, ankles I, or whatever. I, I, I mean, knock on wood. I, I've been really fortunate injury wise my whole life. I fought a little back type thing my junior year in high school, but other than that, I missed one game in high school, and that was because we don't need to get into this. But I got kicked out of a game, and the, <laughs> the Arizona rule was if you get kicked out, you have to sit the next game. It's like a red card. Yeah. yeah. So got kicked out of a game. It was actually against the game against Ryan Toulson's team my junior year. They were beating us. I lost my mind. Anyways, had to sit that game, but for injury's sake, nothing. And then at BYU, the worst injury I had, I don't know if I even missed a practice, except for this one was Chris Miles, and we all know how big he is and strong he is. I took a knee to my thigh from him, kind of in transition, and deep muscle contusion type of thing. And so I set, I want to believe, the next two. Um, and was fortunate. I, I'm really fortunate. And even as a pro, um, the worst injury I had was my last year. No, my second to last year, I had a really bad ankle sprain. I felt like it was broke. The team said it wasn't. So I missed. I I, bro- I sprained it bad on a Thursday night. We played Friday, so I sat that game. And then the following Saturday, I played, and it was stiff for probably six months. I don't like to miss, you know. I think you don't like to miss shots or games. Definitely both, um, <laughs> but but I think, and I understand it now because, and it's the thing Shaquille O'Neal talked about on NBA inside the NBA a couple of weeks ago, where he's like he played through injuries and pain and all that, and it's just different now. And there's a lot of money, so I get it, um, but I didn't I didn't like to miss, so. Okay, at BYU, you have a tremendous career, not only with winning as a team and NCAA tournaments, but your efficiency is the thing that sticks out and your versatility. So you end up shooting 53.5%, which is 16th in BYU history, which is just incredible overall field goal percentage. Do you know your field goal percentage from two? Overall for my career? For, from two. This is, I wish that was listed. It, it never do, is. You have I, to manually do it. I do not know my overall. I don't know you have my a guess. overall. I mean, I would guess it's probably high 50s. 59. Yeah. 59% from two. Dude. That's yeah. amazing. 43% from three yeah. is fourth in BYU history. 84% from uh, the free throw line. Yeah. 
And that should have been higher, but I was going to say, with those other numbers, been shouldn't higher. that be high eighties? That, that should be Low high eighties. Yeah, high eighties. Yeah. Okay. You have the number one highest effective field goal percentage in BYU history, six oh eight. Really? To this day? Really? That's pretty good. Huh. Take that, Jimmer. Yeah. Uh, three players are in the top twenty in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals in BYU history. You are one of them. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Yep. So the like five the, the basic five, five parbs. Uh, who are the other two? Oh wow! I would guess. Uh, give me. I would guess Kyle Collinsworth. Yep, that one's pretty obvious. The other one is not. I would guess Devin Durant. No. So it's Mark. Big. Mark Durant. Nope. No, uh, Mark. Mark wishes he was top uh, twenty. Yeah. Obviously, I, was, um, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Ken Roberts. Oh yeah. Okay. Ken was crazy yeah. versatile. Yeah, and. The longevity of playing four years and being healthy and sure. all that is is really there, and and being on good teams, right? Like th- those yes. teams that I played with were were really good teams. You're passing helps. to people who are making that shots. helps for You're, sure. And steals are a funny thing because like Jackson Emery, you know Jackson Emery's poking the ball away. Jimmer's grabbing it. Yeah, Jimmer's top ten in steals. Oh, yeah. Jimmer's stealing the ball himself too. Sure. But steals are an interesting stat. So what what are you most proud of from? The individual, I guess, numbers from your career. Uh, probably that efficiency. Yeah, that I would say probably that. I think, and and I mean, you would have to ask Coach Rose this. I mean, I know at times they would not beg me to shoot, but they want, wanted me <laughs> to shoot more, and probably rightfully so, right? And with those kind of numbers, but I think that kids that play. They're so impatient. It's just like you can shoot a higher percentage. Just be choosy, you know, on your shot selection. Like, it, I mean, the numbers behind it and open versus unopen or guarded versus unguarded, it's huge, right? Like, just wait. And and that comes back to the team, right? I'm playing with Jimmer. He's driving, drawing a crowd. I'm shooting wide open threes. I will say that. A lot of my baskets came in the mid post, um, and those aren't very easy shots, and probably would be looked down upon nowadays. Um, but kind of watched Kena do it the year before, and then that junior year just kind of took the reins from him and made the same kind of shots he did. But I think that for young people, it's the hardest thing to just be choosy, and at least on the basketball court, wait for a shot. I mean, thirty seconds is a long time. And you you see it in the NBA now. I mean, half the possession, they just stand there and they play the last 15, right? And they still get great shots. So that's my message to a lot of the kids. Just, hey, we got to create an advantage and now we're playing out of an advantage, right? And I feel like I've always thought that way. And now I'm trying to get people to think that way on the court, you know. Okay, you end up 10th in blocks in BYU history. That surprised me a little bit. I, got, I had great blocking instincts. <laughs> and actually, there's probably nothing better than a really good block. <coughs> like when you time it and you have the angle and you pin it against the backboard, I don't know if – I mean dunking on somebody, yes, but a, a good block is – it feels really, really good. What was your favorite dunk? There's one where you flexed. Yeah, was that it? was against Colorado State. Um, I, I, that was probably it. That's the first one that comes to mind. I actually, probably my favorite dunk, 
goes back to high school, um, playing Mount View at Mount View. And I hadn't beaten them yet. Like, they had better teams than us. They were always tougher than us. And we're actually playing. It's a game Coach Cleveland's at. You know, I don't know if I had committed yet. Anyways, he came down. We got down 21-3. to And I just go off, right? Like, I've never beaten them to this point. It's the first time against them my senior year. I just go off and we pull away at the end. But at the end, like, it's a packed house, standing room only. At the end, I get a break, and it's kind of at the end. It kind of solidifies it, but I just do a reverse dunk and, and kind of just leave my hands up as I come down and just kind of walk walk away. Um, so that's probably my favorite dunk just because of the, the rivalry and the stamp on, hey, yeah, I beat you guys finally. You know, that's probably my favorite dunk ever. Do you have a favorite three-pointer uh, or shot? Uh, I mean, the one that sticks out is the TCU one my freshman year. But I, I kind in of the bring, comeback, that in, one? in the comeback, yeah. So I don't play much the whole game. Coach puts me in. I don't lead the charge back, but I'm very uh, impactful in my minutes late. Make the three to tie it. What was it? <clears> down nine? I think we were down seven with like fifty three, maybe nine with one hundred six, something like that. Yeah. Make the three, and it brings a sour taste in my mouth because coach doesn't put me back in in the overtime, and I was furious. <laughs> I still, I still tell him to this day, like I'm still mad at you for that. But uh, yeah, that's probably the most. Uh, impactful three uh, was that freshman year against TCU. Okay, you're part of a group that, in many retrospects, would be defined as sort of pre-Jimmer and leading right up to that, right? Um, what was it like to see his development into what he becomes the National Player of the Year? Lee, this is so rare here, right? Sure. It's Danny Ainge in sure. 81 and Jimmer Fredette. Like, did you know when he showed up on campus, a little chubbier than he became, <laughs> a little younger, a little raw, right? He was an incredible scorer in high school, but he came off the bench as a freshman. Ben Murdoch's a starter. Ben Murdoch should hold that over Jimmer for the rest of his life, right? And hey, come buy a car for me as well. Absolutely. We'll bend over backward or whatever. But Jimmer had to go through the BYU program, which was super successful, to get to that point, but he helped take it up a notch. Sure, absolutely. I think that, um, I mean, when he came in, yes, absolutely. A little bit of uh, youth chubbiness to him. I actually think he's as lean as he's ever been right now. He looks incredible. He looks great. Um, but came in super quiet, super quiet, and doesn't talk a lot on the court and didn't talk a lot off the court. Um, a lot more talkative now, more dynamic now as a person for sure. But just came in and you would see glimpses. You would see glimpses. I mean, that that his freshman year, I mean, we had Tavanori, we had Trent, and you had me with Sam and Ben, and so it was kind of a, okay, where do I fit in this? But you would, I mean, you have big moments, you know, like the the uh, NCAA tournament game um, where you could see the firepower that he brought, and then a little bit more comfortable that next year. But you have Jackson and me and Tavanari and him, and, and so it's still, it's a talented team. Um, and then just watching it from afar, you know, the next year, but then the following year and just like, He's putting 40 on, you know, Billy White's got him guarding him and he's putting 40 up on him. And then, you know, the next night he's going against Darrington Hobson or whoever from New Mexico who are great defenders. And here's another 50-point game kind of thing. It's just incredible. You know, he just kind of came into his own. Um, and, and that's a 
he played with a lot of good players too in those years that kind of I mean naturally gonna take a back seat to Jimmer, but the length and athleticism on those teams and the skill set, I mean when you think about some of those rosters is I mean, it's incredible. And then you add Jimmer on top of that and it's like pfft. I mean, those are arguably some of the best teams at BYU, right? Like, no doubt. With the size and and skill set. I mean, there's probably six or seven pros on some of those teams, you know? And not just low-level pros. Like, you got Brandon Davies and Kyle Collinsworth and Tyler Hawes and Jackson, you know, with Noah Hartsock was a pro, and he's on that team, and Jimmer. And it's just, it's just it, was, it was fun to watch. Let's talk about your pro career. So you end up... Dabbling with the Utah Flash for a sec? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Doing it uh, in the first, D League at the time? Yeah, first year, played summer league, didn't go too hot. Go overseas, signed with Albert Berlin, who's a storied program in, uh, in Germany. Actually signed a two-year deal. And get there, and coach isn't happy with me, which happens. Um, Why wasn't he happy with you? Uh, I found out later that the GM was the one driving me, and the coach— Kind of okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. He wanted somebody bigger, like a, a three four, and it's like, well, did you watch the film? Like, I'm, I'm not bigger. You're a two and a half, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so after about a month, they wanted to make a change, and then there's another month where they're negotiating the buyout, and so I'm just in Germany, hanging out. We did a lot of fun things. My at this point, my wife's there, and. and my oldest, and we just kind of did whatever we wanted every day because they don't want me at practice. They don't want me in the facilities mm. while they're negotiating that. So negotiations finally end. We fly back. I sign with the Flash. Um, and great experience. Not not where the G League is. There's a, yeah, it's the G League now, but at that time it was the D League. Not where it is now as far as how it's run and operated. Uh, now it's more of a true farm system and, you know, um, I think we had two coaches, and now I think they have four or five, and there's player development and a bunch of different things. Um, so great experience. Know that it's it's not where I need to be. So at that, I leave the flash. Actually, I, I want to say the owner did me a favor and let me go because I knew there was a French team that wanted to sign me. Do that. Spend the second half of that season in France. Go to a bottom dweller at the time. They make two changes on one of them. We go on a run. Barely miss the playoffs. So they bring everybody back because we had a good team that second half of the season. Um, Next season, losing the semis to Nanterre, who's out of Paris. And from there, I go to Japan. And from there, I go the last four years in Belgium. And great experience everywhere. If I didn't have a wife and kids, I'd probably still be playing in Japan. Mm. It was just, it was just, and part of it is not because it was Japan, but part of it is my kids were at an age where it was like they're not in school and they're at home, and yeah, it just wasn't a, a good fit family life wise. And so when we went to Belgium, it just felt like. I haven't lived on the East Coast, but felt like I was on the East Coast, right? Like I'm going to drive, you know, 25, 30 minutes to church, have a ward family, 
um, primary at that time, which was huge. My teammates in Belgium have kids that are my kids' age. They go to the school, and they start school really young in Belgium. So my two oldest are at the same school with a teammate's two oldest, and they're allowed to speak English for the first week. But then after that, straight Flemish uh, at school and just a great experience. Unbelievable teammates. I so, had, I, so I had your kids know Flemish? Uh, they did. They're kind of rusty now. The oldest would pick it up probably pretty quick. So when we came back after the four years, Robbie Bosco's boy, he was actually on his mission over there. And we had dinner with him a couple of times. When we came back, he was getting home. And him and his wife, who also served over there, would come and tutor my boys for probably the first two years, just maybe like once a week for an hour, and just talk. And nice. We'd pay them and help them. and, and uh, But since then, they haven't used it. Uh, but they would pick it up pretty quick, I would guess. And had my third child in Belgium, which was a great experience. Um, how well they took care of my wife and us during it was awesome. But Belgium was fantastic. And my wife to this day, if I said, hey, let's sell everything and move back to Western Europe, she would be gone in a second. Mm. Loved it there. Loved the European lifestyle. Um, I wish Americans would adapt that a little. Not everything, but some parts of it. What parts? Just uh, like this, the city that we were in, the community we were in, kind of got behind um, the team. And and I guess it's kind of similar to a college team, um, but it was just a little bit smaller, and so you get to know people, and they're just it's a more casual lifestyle, not so scheduled, you know. Um, obviously, we don't drink or smoke, but they love to sit down and have a meal, right? Like have a conversation, not just eat and go. Have a meal, converse, and take a walk. They'll usually have coffee or smoke uh, as a part of that. But just kind of go to the grocery store every day, buy fresh food, um, walk to the grocery store where we were. That type of life, um, it's good. But but I get it. There's there's parts that drive you crazy too. Like it's the middle of the afternoon and nothing's open because that's just what they do. And you're like – but I need some stuff from the grocery store. Like, why aren't you guys open? <laughs> you know. But but we loved it. Loved the Ward family over there. Loved the team. Loved my teammates. Uh, loved the community. So great experience. Did you pick up a uh, few different languages going around the world to just get around and go to the grocery sure, store? Sure, sure. In stuff? France, uh, definitely picked it up. By the time I was done, so in France, my coach spoke French, obviously, and then he would speak English to the imports. Um, by the time I was done, once he spoke in French, I didn't need him to tell me what he was saying. I understood. I don't You're like pass me the ball. That's all I need. Yeah. To get. <laughs> so I knew what he was saying. Um, I couldn't converse. I knew I picked up for sure all the bad words in every place I was at. <laughs> Definitely learned how to keep score in, in every language. Yeah. Um, and then was able to go to restaurants and order what you wanted, kind of thing, or at least say check-in or, you know, just the basics. Yeah. Um, so, all yeah, that Japan never really – I knew some of the stuff, just the, the probably cliche things that you learn, um, but that's too difficult of a language. And I was only there eight months, so hard. It was actually funny because I went from France to Japan, and then when I got to Belgium in our ward, in our ward it was an international ward, 
there was a native Japanese guy and his family who spoke French, but he spoke it in the same rhythm that you would speak Japanese, right? So it was so fascinating. Like here's a guy, he, and he spoke English, but he but he knew all these languages, but the rhythm and the the, the accent and everything it was just it was phenomenal. You know, miss the diversity of Belgium for sure. Miss the diversity. Um, wish there was a little bit more here, but it is what it is. What are some things in your life, Lee, that have helped make you who you are today, whether it's uh, uh, people or experiences that sort of shaped you to get to this point? Sure. I I mean, I think that we all have leaders or coaches uh, in life that help mold you. Uh, I'm no exception to that. Had a great youth leader in our ward, um, who's also my cousin, who's also was my bishop, next-door neighbor. Who's who? My brother bought the house for from next door. Um, then my high school coach, Coach Burkhart and Coach Lynch, did a great job. Then being molded at BYU um, uh, and the, uh, forget the mission too, and that experience and the growth that comes. But getting away, marriage will make you grow and, and shape you. The college experience, having success, having failures, and growing from that. And then seeing the world. I mean, there's nothing that will shape you more than getting out of your comfort zone, getting in a different culture. Um, yeah, so and, – and coaches along the way. It's it's fascinating to think about what kind of coach you want to be. Like if you're ever the head coach anywhere, what do you want to be? Because they come in all shapes and sizes and philosophy, and it's been fun to – take from everyone and kind of, I mean, that's on the basketball side, but as a human being, as a man, to take from everybody. And it's it's fascinating to think about. When did you want to be a coach? Because you've been an assistant with the men and you're an assistant currently with the women. Sure. When did you decide, hey, I want to be a coach? I So I love the game of basketball. I mean, I never tire of it, at least not yet. I mean, I play several times a week, coach it all day long, watch it all night long kind of thing. I love the game of basketball. I would uh, classify myself as a purist. I love both sides of the ball too, offense and defense, and have arguments with buddies that say, hey, how can you not like so-and-so? I'm like, he's a liability on the defensive end, right? <laughs> like, um, I like, I like, I like people that play both sides of the ball, and that's who I cheer for. I love guys that play – not just guys, but I love people that play the game the right way. Um, they're not thirsty. They make the extra pass, and I, I don't. I won't tire. As far as coaching wise, um, like I said, watching all the coaches that I've had, um, and then I knew I always wanted to give it a run. Hey, let's let's give it a run and see how it is. And when coach said, "Hey, come back, be a GA for sure. Let's do this." I won't set myself back any because I'm going to get a master's, you know. Um, what did you get a master's in? I got a master's in public administration. Nice. Great program here at BYU. Not necessarily feeling I'm going to go into the public sector, but a lot of the principles and things that are taught help, you know, just in everything. Um, great professors, great program. Would encourage anybody to, to go do it. Um, give it a run. And I, I just love – 
the ups and downs. I love the the seasons of being a college coach where you have summer workouts, but before that you have camps or you have them overlapped, and then you go into the fall workouts as you're preparing for the season. Then you start official practice, and you have three weeks of that, and now we're playing games and game prep and you know getting who we want on the court ready to play and prepared for the matchups. I love the strategy that goes into a game and the adjustments that have to be made in the flow of a game. Um, then you finish that, and then it's back to the final four and networking and meeting people. Hopefully we get to the final four, so I'm there coaching and not networking. Um, and then you have kind of a slower time, but recruiting picks up, but you get to spend some time with your kids and your family. I love the flow of it, right, where by the time camps finish, you're like, okay, I'm ready for camps to be over. And by the time summer workouts finish, you're ready for workouts to be over and play games. And by the time the season finishes, you're like, okay, I want to decompress, you know, take a little bit of time and evaluate things. Um, So I love that. And so taking the run with the men's side, being hired by coach, getting an experience at firsthand. I got to experience everything as a GA. Um, those guys are great to me. Terry Nashif did a great job as far as letting me do things. I, I was exposed to everything. Finally, every- unlike the recruiting trip. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, got to, I was exposed to everything. The only thing I couldn't do as a GA was formally recruit off campus or on the phone. I got to be a part of recruiting when they were were on campus, and uh, love love the preparation, love being in the gym, never get old. And sometimes my wife will say, "Like you, literally, like never get tired of basketball. Like you never get tired." Of it. And I, I really don't. I love talking it. I love coaching it. I love. Wish I could play at a higher level still, but I love playing it too. This women's basketball team and program is has competed at a really high level for a long time winning conference championships, getting to the NCAA tournament. There's this perception that it's a different or lesser basketball. It's not. Those that watch and enjoy BYU Women's Hoops understand that it is awesome. So crossing from the men's side to the women's side, what have you learned about the women's game that has helped you enjoy it even more? Yeah, it is. And I would say it's as awesome, if not more awesome in my mind. Coaching it especially. Um, And I think that there's kids now that have played most of their life to where the skill set is as advanced as the men's side. Now, they don't play as high above the rim as the men's side, but the skill set is pure, and, and in some cases it's at a higher level. Their ability to pass, make shots, and, and just play with an IQ, it, it's, 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 it's awesome. And, and the girls are so fun. They're so fun. This team seems particularly fun. So fun. The They're, personalities. Yeah, the personalities, but how they um, interact, how they compete together. They're just good kids. Like, I mean, it's the same on the men's side. Don't get me wrong. Like, just BYU has great kids that come here and play, but they just want to absorb um, and and get better. They're so receptive. Um, yeah, I mean, are there things I miss? Sure. I wish I wish there was a bigger buildup, and it, it's going to grow, right? I wish there was bigger buildup to games. And part of that is we gotta we got to win more, right? got to be in the top 25, and Gonzaga be in the top 25, 
and now we have a top 25 game on our home court, right? And I, I've seen, like Gonzaga, say similar demographics, and they have a packed house, right? And so yeah. I can visualize for sure that lower bowl of the Marriott Center full, and now it's a completely different player experience, fan experience, and that place gets rocking, you know. And so I miss the crowd for sure, the build-up to a game. Um, but but everything is eerily similar. The the prep, the workouts, the practices, the game planning and strategy, the adjustments in-game, um, eerily similar, and I love all of that. Um, but just the, the athletes themselves make it a lot of fun. We encourage you to watch BYU Women's Hoops on BYU TV. We, uh, we love doing the games. We love telling the stories of this team. So you're actually – I, I didn't realize this. This wasn't even on purpose. You're actually the third guest I've interviewed associated with the women's basketball team. I know Mel. Who's the other? Uh, and Shaley. Oh, Shaley. Okay. Yep. Gonzalez. Oh, so, great, great guest. I yeah, I, I'm all in, man. Great and it guess, wasn't even yeah. a conscious thing. I was just like, bring in the interesting characters. Let's go. You guys are great. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, your wife's awesome. I've known her for a while with, with you. We were in school at the same time. Will you clarify the story at the Mountain West Conference Championships and, <laughs> and throwing a shoe or something? I was there. BYU gets beat by UNLV. Rebel, that whole thing. Sure. It gets a little weird and crazy. There's some people being threatened. It's dangerous. Sure. It's there's a band. It's, sure. What happened? Because that's like pandemonium. It, your wife, unfortunately, is famous for this moment. Sure, sure. it's not one. <laughs> it's not one she's particularly proud of. Sure. And I don't have any firsthand account of it. You're right? on the court. You're getting out of there. So, but I have heard several sides to the story. Yeah. Okay. And I've heard her side, and I don't know how accurate it is. <laughs> okay. Um, but. They didn't have the wall that they have now, which is infamously named the Sarah Kamard wall or barrier. And <laughs> at, thi- at this time, yeah, every every year during the conference tournament, like weeks, somebody will text me or shoot tweet at me and I'm tagged in it. Or they'll say, hey, they're talking about your wife on sports radio. Um, about in the, Vegas? About the barrier, Yeah. About oh, wow. the conference I didn't know tournament, it was that deep. sure. Yeah, I had a, a actually an assistant coach from high school that lived in Vegas, and so he would for sure every year. Oh, yep, talk about your wife again today, you know, <laughs> in March. Yeah. Um, but at the, the time that they stormed the court, there was just like you know those plastic yellow chains, mm-hmm. and they They're had the really white. Going to stop people exactly, and the ushers were all. This is Sarah's point of view. 75-year-old guy, you know, that's he's he's manning the the stairs that lead to the court, right? And she has our oldest. What I've been told is she passes off the oldest and is going to go down and stop the whole student section by herself because the old man's just getting trampled, right? She feels bad? Not for – but just – Hey, they can't trample. They can't storm the court. Like that's unacceptable. So I'm going to go stop them. Okay. Why did she feel like this? I don't. Moment? I don't know. I guess I need to bring her in. Sour and grapes. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of a it, sore loser. It's a. It's a emotional really, point. It's a really emotional for moment. sure. We yes. were up. They came back. They win. It was hard to beat them on that court. Uh, really I, I never. Did. I would have loved to I have played did. the game in the Merit Center. A hundred percent. So they storm. I've heard shoe. Flip flop. I've heard shoe throwing it, hitting people with it. I've heard um, accounts of next thing I know, 
Sarah's on the court and she's pulling people down by their shirt collar like and throwing them on the ground. Um, so I think she was being uh, mama bear and protecting her uh, people. And I didn't see any of it. The first time I saw her, we had been in the locker room and I'm going to do interviews. And next thing I know, she's back there, which never happened. And, and you're like, what are you doing here? I was like, what's going on? And she's not hysterical, but she's kind of explaining things. President Samuelson's there. Everybody's kind of like, what's going on? You know, kind of thing. Um, and so I don't hear the the accounts till after the fact, you know. Um, she was kind of worked up at that point. There was other people worked up. Um, I don't know. I know there were fights in the stands. And, Yeah. That's that's all I know. I, I didn't see it. I got off the court, was probably a little upset about how it uh, ended. Um, and so, yeah. I was on press row, and I even felt a little unsafe with how things were going. Okay. It was a little unruly, right, mm-hmm. at this point. So I can imagine it would have been uber stressful for her as well. So, okay, yeah, we'll have to talk to her at some point. Sure, <laughs> sure. Get that, that'd be a funny, like— uh, you know, thirty for thirty short type oh, thing yeah. where it's like, what really happened yeah. with uh, Sarah? And if it, if it was now, like there would be a lot of video cameras. Oh and yeah, you would see. We would really firsthand. Know. Yeah, I've heard good punches were landed uh, <laughs> during that. <laughs> I have heard that there were some good punches landed. Like not, she threw not from her, but just anybody that was oh, there. Yeah, oh, I'm gotcha. not going to okay. get into. I was like, whoa, divulge Sarah. names, but. From people that have told me, like, during that me- melee, I I landed a few good ones. It got weird, man. <laughs> it got weird, yeah. I'm just a little upset I didn't get to land a few, <laughs> you know? So. Every, every BYU fans wanted to punch a UNLV fan at some point. Let's, <laughs> let's admit it. And vice versa. So, no, it's it's all good. Um, Lee, thanks for coming in, man. This has been awesome. Again, we encourage you to, to watch Lee and the women's basketball team this year. You guys are going to be good again. That two of the last three years, you've been to the NCAA tournament and won a game. Yep. And the team you, you barely lost to this year went all the way to the national yep. championship game. Yep. This team's capable of doing something really special this year. No question. Um, we had Arizona on the ropes, had them down four under the four-minute timeout or the five-minute timeout. Um, Ari McDonald's a great player. We have everybody back, and we're adding some pieces that are talented. That 2021 class is going to be special. Extra big roster, right, with COVID? Yep, because our seniors get another year. I mean, everybody gets another year, but they'll fill it the most this year. We're, we've got 19 on the roster right now, and that'll be a little bit different. But, you know, it, we'll be fine. We'll manage it. But everybody's back. You're older. You're wiser. You're better. We're working hard. Um, like you said earlier, Provo, Utah County needs to come out and support these girls. It's a it's a great game. It's a pure game. And expect big things. I, I, I normally shy away from setting expectations, you know. But this team has everything needed. And the team we lost to made a run, and anything can happen. And it was actually my first time advancing in the NCAA tournament. And it's a, it's, it's a drug, and I'm ready to go back. And I wish we could just go back now and play again. Um, it's just, it's just, it was so much fun. Everybody's back and expect big things. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me, Jim.